fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 47. Uh, our favorite movie actors slash actresses will be our main discussion for the day. But first of all, welcome back, Josh. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. I'm, uh, I'm sorry last week was a little bit crazy. Uh, a lot went on. Um, jeez, man, I don't think I worked a shift yet last week that was under 10 hours, so I was, I was a beat young man. <laughs> yeah, my estimations are you're probably, we're still at work by the time I was done recording. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that was, that was the big problem last week was like, uh, cause I, we, we were going to record Tuesday and I screwed up on my timing. Um, and then we were going to co- record Wednesday night. And then I realized I had accidentally agreed to a, a double that night. And I was like, ah, oh, dang. <laughs> Which <sighs> the only downside to that was just like, I like having you on so I can get water breaks or catch my breath. Yeah. <laughs> so I lasted longer than the last that. time. It was just me. I think it was an hour and 15 minutes last week, but now I can take breaths when you speak. And yeah, it's just nice to have somebody to play off of again. And nice to have you back. Um, Before we get into the news and our general discussion for this week, Josh and I both, well, I saw the movie last week and Josh finally got to see it because it was on DC Universe now. Uh, Both of us are huge comic book fans, as you know, and both of us are huge fans of the comic storyline Batman Hush. So naturally, we were very much looking forward to uh, the animated film Batman Hush that just came out. So we're going to kind of give our general thoughts and discussion on that before we dive into the news. Uh, Josh, give your spoiler-free impressions of the movie. It's as spoiler-free as you can go. Um, I didn't mind the animation as much as I thought, thought I was going to. Um, voice acting was in my opinion, spot on. I know, I think the guy that does the Batman for the voice for Batman is the one that you don't like. Yes, I hate um, Jason O'Mara. That yeah. being said, I think this is the best he's sounded as Batman. Oh, I, absolutely. And I was like, he's still my, one of my least favorite animated Batman, but he was good yes. in this incarnation. Yes. I mean, it definitely helped that he got a certain suit. Um, I popped I'm not going to lie. That. When he got that suit at the beginning of the movie, I popped so hard for that. Oh, same. Um, also, I really enjoyed Dick and Alfred in this. They I, like for they are so fun to be around. I'm still maybe just because I'm clinging to my Jason McCartney and my Neil Patrick Harris versions of Nightwing, but I'm still not overly sold on Sean Mayer, who voiced Nightwing in mm-hmm. all these New Fifty Two movies. He was he was good in it. That being said, in terms of all the recent DC animated stuff, this is by far the best Nightwing suit. Yes, I like. I really enjoy this, the suit design and the the hair that's like in between the short and the mullet. That we that that's like that in between hair that they've been doing. I really enjoy it. Um, reg- uh, the changes that they make to the story, um, some are good, some are very disappointing. I'm assuming um, you think the disappointing one is the. Big one at the end. The finale. The finale is very disappointing to me. Um, I feel yes. like that was an easy cop out. Um, instead of going, you know, with who Hush is actually supposed to be and what all that. 
It felt um, like it was just tricking the diehard fans of the comic just for the sake was, of tricking them. Because I was sitting here going, okay, at any point, they're going to pull the carpet out from under us. Because to be quite fair, if they did pull the carpet out for, from under us with that ending, and it still ended up being who it was supposed to be, um, I, I, I still I would have been quite very surprised because they would have they were selling it quite hard. Um, but uh, the, like the changing the changes with the opening, um, I didn't mind. I felt felt like that kind of that was the same kind of scenario. That, yeah, they got uh, the spirit that, right. I don't know why they switched out Bane for Killer Croc. No, um, uh, Killer yeah. Croc for Bane. I mean, but yeah, I I didn't mind it though. I it was the yeah. big thing. Like it, the tone it, was, it was still a, like the spirit of the story was still there. Exactly. Like what needed to happen still happened. Uh, what need what needed to be get, gotten across still was still gotten across. Um, Although there's some key elements, and I'll go into what I thought of the finale in a little bit here. But there's certain key things that. Are, are important to the story of Hush that I thought were very odd by their exclusion in the movie. Um, so for those of you who know the comic, Hush is a great story in and of itself, but it also kind of acts as a prequel to my other favorite Batman story, Under the Red Hood. There is yes. absolutely no connection to Under the Red Hood at all in this. Um, I did catch a line from Joker, actually, where he's yes. like, who's Robin? Who's Robin now? <laughs> yes, but... The original Hush story very much leaves the door open for Under the Red Hood. This, there was, like, no real hints to that being the case. Yeah, and I think that's because they're operating, as far as I can tell, they're operating under the assumption, and maybe that's why they changed certain things. They're operating under the assumption that Under the Red Hood is in the main main story continuity, as, as far as animation movies go. I don't so, think so, because Under the Red Hood, as weird as it is to say, came out eight years ago. Yeah, and I mean, I'm aware. And that was before this new, uh, this new timeline that they're really sticking to their guns with, even though they really shouldn't. Um, That's fair. So, uh, my big issue with the movie, it deals with the finale, obviously. I, I wasn't as disappointed with the finale as some others, primarily just because I had it spoiled for me going into it, so I, I was kind of already expecting that going into it. Um, I'll put up a quick spoiler warning right now because it is going to be hard for me to describe my frustration without saying what the twist is. Uh, so if you care, spoiler alert, but in the original comic, Hush, the villain, who the whole story is based off of, is uh, one of Bruce Wayne's childhood friends named Thomas Elliot who's working alongside Riddler. In this movie, Riddler is Hush, just straight up. Thomas Elliot is killed for real halfway through the movie, um, which was a big red herring in the original story. Um, That was disappointing. Not Mandarin disappointing in Iron Man 3, but disappointing nonetheless. Um, Yeah. The big thing that I was really frustrated with, actually, believe it or not, was in the original story... Riddler knows who Batman is. He knows he's Bruce Wayne. But Batman tells him straight up, you're not going to tell anybody who I am, and you never will, because you know the answer to the world's greatest riddle. And if you tell anyone, the world knows the answer. And that means it's no longer a riddle. And I love, 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 love that Batman was able to beat Riddler that way, using his brain. And in the movie, he just beats him up and he falls into a fire because Catwoman cut his line. I don't like that nearly as much because it shortchanges 
the genius of Bruce Wayne and the detective aspects of Batman. Well, not even just that, but the line of um, Superman at, at his core is a good guy. I'm not. That's that ripped right from the comics. It, it was, but the delivery felt so rushed. Yeah, there's certain moments in this that it's just like, all right, we have to include this. We have to include the Superman fight. We have to include the kidnapped child at the beginning. We have to have the Joker in the alley almost being beaten to death by Batman before Gordon steps in. Yes. But it sounds like we're bagging on it. By and large, this is, I think, one of the better uh, animated ones in this new continuity that being said, can can we please move on from this continuity and start going back to more unique stuff like Gotham by Gaslight or Under the Red Hood? Just their own standalone things. Yeah, I, I'd be more down with that, I think. Um, yeah, and, and honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing... I, I can see the backlash, but I wouldn't mind an, an, a quote-unquote updated uh, Under the Red Hood. Nope, don't you touch it. That's that's such a good animated movie. It is, but you're going to want... I mean, unless you're just going to not acknowledge it at all. Just leave it how it is. All right, fine. All right, well, that's we've talked enough about this movie. Oh, now let's get into the actual news of the I, week. Um, I huh? forgot to tell you. I saw Lion King this weekend. Oh, I'm very curious yeah, to hear your thoughts on this. I I completely forgot to tell you. So I remember our discussion um, in what you what your issues with were, were going into it. Uh, but I kept my an open mind and you know tried to get through it all. Um, I agree with you that the movie kind of it doesn't drag, but it's not as exciting until Puma, uh, Puma and, and Timon show up. All oh, they, of a sudden, they are trying their best to save that movie. Dude, that all of a sudden the, the movie has this life that it didn't have before, and it's a lot of fun, which I felt like was missing in, in the first half. What did um, you think of the voice acting as a whole? Good. Um, here's the thing. I don't think the problem, if, if, if any of the voice acting feels like the issue, I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue is the hyper-realistic animation because i couldn't like when um bufasa dies and simba screams no i don't feel it not because of the voice acting but because the face isn't didn't like emote as much as i felt like it should i didn't see the feeling in the eyes because they're just animal eyes you know what i mean the only one that i felt actually emoted was to moan yes but that's because why he was any different but Yes, yeah. I, I felt emotion wasn't there. Yeah, and that so like certain moments felt like they should have been bigger, but they almost weren't because of the lack of emo, uh, in, like able to communicate emotions. Yeah, as a whole, I didn't think it was as bad as some of the critics were making it out to be. Like this movie's getting lashed. That being said, it wasn't nearly as good as it could have been. Yeah. I think oh, Jungle I Book is still the best in terms of live-action remakes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I did hear rumors lately that they're thinking about touching Robin Hood. Like, with animals? Yeah. That, that'd be real weird. I mean, unless they went the Red, uh, the Red Wall route. 
You are never going to let that go, are you? I will never let it go. <laughs> All righty. Ready to get into some news? Absolutely. All righty. Um, so off the top, we have Lord and Miller, the guys behind the first Lego movie, the best of the Lego movies. Um, the guys that were going to direct The Flash and did direct it in about 90% of Solo before they got fired with two weeks to go, which I still don't understand that decision. Uh, but most recently, they're the guys, some of the creative guys behind Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is one of the, the best Spider-Man movies ever made. Josh has it as his best Spider-Man movie. Um, but they are not leaving the Spider-Man brand anytime soon, as it is now being discussed that they're going to be making not one, but apparently multiple live-action TV shows um, with Sony for the Spider-Man world. Um, Josh, how are you feeling on this? Why? Just, just why? Like, genu- genuinely, like... <sighs> I love, we, we both know I love Spider-Man and I'm, I'll eat that stuff up, but I do think there's such a thing as over flooding the market, especially with Spider-Man stories. Well, if anybody has been oversaturated lately, it's been Spider-Man. Um, exactly. But I think there's, just because it says Spider-Man doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a Peter Parker show. You can have um, a Miles show. You can have... Um, tell me, if they announced today a Spider-Man 2099 live-action TV series, you wouldn't watch that? Oh, I'd watch the crap out of it. Exactly. Uh, well, it doesn't have to be a Peter Parker story. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give it that. Uh, I definitely think, yeah, that would up the ante quite, quite a bit. Uh, I'm twofold. One, what platforms would this be on? Like, is there a specific channel this would be on? Because that's a world of difference to me. If you say it's going to be a Netflix original, okay. If you tell me it's going to be on CW, eh. Yeah, now I really, if that's the case, then, then I definitely don't want to see it. But also, um, this sounds great, but Sony in particular has this nasty habit, especially with Spider-Man, of announcing stuff that never ends up happening. Like, I believe it was a year or two ago that that Sinister Six movie was supposed to have happened already. Um, Mm -hmm. We were supposed to get a Black Cat movie. Um, We're finally getting Morbius next year. But especially with the Spider-Man franchise, Sony has this nasty habit of announcing stuff with some big-name people attached to it, and then it never happens. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 4, Amazing Spider-Man 3... So this sounds great on paper to me. I know you're more hesitant, but I'm also very hesitant to say for a fact that this will ever actually see the light of day, even with Lord and Miller. Yeah, that that's my big thing is I I don't know. I don't know how credible it is, and I don't know how badly I want this to happen. Yeah. Um, Something that I actually do want to happen. I know you will be very much on the fence about this. But Disney's Aladdin has been just destroying the box office this year. I think it's crossed over a billion dollars, the live-action remake. I was not expecting very much from it, and I had a lot of fun with it. That being said, Disney's thinking about, or in the process, of figuring out how to do a sequel to live-action Aladdin. 
Josh, get out of your system now. I know you're going to have some grumble, grumble thoughts. No. <laughs> That's a no. Because <sighs> just look at Disney's track record with sequels. And that's that's all the proof you need. See, the thing is, of all the like Disney Renaissance movies like Little Mermaid or Aladdin or Lion King, Aladdin is one of the few ones that actually had a halfway decent sequel. Not Return of the Jafar. That was trash because they didn't get Robin Williams back and a whole bunch of other reasons. Um, but the third Aladdin in the series, uh, Prince of Thieves, is actually a really good direct-to-DVD movie, and one that probably was the caliber of a theatrically released movie had they decided to go that route. And if they went that route, the story's already been told, and I think that would absolutely be a really good movie. Do you know the story of Prince of Thieves? I do not. So what happens in it is Aladdin and Jasmine are finally about to get married. It's the day of the ceremony when all of a sudden this gang of smugglers and thieves break into the palace, more or less destroy the palace and ransack it and kidnap Aladdin. But the thing is, the smugglers and these thieves are led by Aladdin's father. Oh, And he is on the hunt for the hand of Midas, that whatever it touches turns to gold, which would just be perfect for a thief. And so there's this band of... um, Outlaws trying to find this one great treasure. Aladdin gets to finally meet and bond with his dad, but his dad is not who he thought he was. And there's this great villain. That's a good story in and of itself to tell if they wanted to go that route. However, uh, without dipping too much into spoilers for Aladdin, there is one significant change that happens to... Uh, the genie, I won't tell you what it is here. There's a significant change to the genie's character at the end of this new Aladdin that could absolutely affect the story going forward for sequels that make me kind of have some reservations. But if they want to make Aladdin sequels, there's already stories that they've told and I think they could have a lot of fun with. I'm going to stick to my guns. (laughs) Um... Just because it, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, it'll be the only one that they've made a sequel out of for. Um, and I, I I feel like we should just keep going forward instead Although of... Although there is talk about making a Jungle Book sequel and making a uh, Tailspin. <laughs> really? Yeah, actually, that is a rumor out there right now. Oh, jeez. Okay. I'm not going to lie. If we got a Tailspin movie, I'd watch it. I'm down for Tailspin. I'm not down for making it a sequel from Jungle Book. All right, fair enough. Because <laughs> to me, the Tailspin operates in a different like world entirely. That one is very, very distinctly animated. Yes. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it, the proof is in the pudding. If, if they show me a good trailer and can get me hooked, then fine. True. Now, this next story, I've been on the fence of actually believing if this project has ever actually existed since day one. So, a Batgirl movie, yes, a Barbara Gordon Batgirl movie, has apparently been in development since around Justice League. So, here's the timeline. Uh, 
Joss Whedon gets hired on to write and direct a Batgirl movie. A couple months later, a month or two later, I think, he gets signed on to do the reshoots for Justice League to fill in for Zack Snyder, who had to take care of family tragedy. Uh, And then, after the reshoots are done, he mysteriously can't figure out how to tell a Batgirl story and leaves the project. Well, now, flash forward to 2019... And Warner Brothers apparently is very much prioritizing this Batgirl movie. They had a Supergirl movie. Apparently, that's not a top priority anymore. Batgirl is their top priority. Um, I have never once, for a second, believed that this project was real. Because if you look at it on paper, it very much seems like this was the um, front that they were saying, oh yeah, we hired Joss Whedon on to... To make this movie, and then he suspiciously leaves Warner Brothers after you do Justice League. He seemed more like he was signed on just to do Justice League reshoots. Um, yeah, which I wouldn't be surprised of. Oh, there. But first of all, do you buy that Warner Brothers is putting Batgirl as a priority? And if so, is that a movie that you actually want to see? I don't think it's a priority, but it is a movie I would want to see. Um, However, it depends on the context. Because if we wait until until the story... Oh, sorry. If we tell this story before the Batman movie comes out, which I don't think... I don't think that'll happen. But, you know, just being um, the devil's advocate here... uh, that kind of movie shouldn't come out before Batman or and it shouldn't come out before Man, Man of Steel 2. You know, it, it's one of those like we are not getting Man of Steel 2, unfortunately. I'm 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 counting on it. Don't worry. Um I I'm still holding up hope just like you are. Um but you know what but you you you, you get my meaning though. Like I feel like it's too early to tell that story. I think also um Robert Pattinson is a pretty young actor and Typically, if you have a Batgirl, it means you have other members of the Bat family. You have uh, Nightwing, who's always around Batgirl's age. And before you just say, I'm trying to bring Nightwing in, Nightwing and Batgirl are like two peas in a pod. Their stories are always very much tied together. So, um, I think if we're going for a young Batman the chances of a Batgirl anytime soon are not very high because you need a more seasoned Batman before you start introducing younger members of the family. So what I would find interesting, what would be really cool to me would be maybe bring in Barbara, right? Do that. Fine. Um, Bring her in like us. Let's assume, you know, that, because I, I agree with your point that Robert Pattinson is a little too young at this point. We need a little something maybe more seasoned. But let's assume that maybe Nightwing and Batgirl, uh, you know, exist and they they kind of make a make a cameo in the movie. Okay, boom, that happens. We open up with Bar- the Batman the Batgirl movie with Barbara Gordon, um, and she gets <clears throat> shot for, for for a specific reason. And we go with with uh, Cassandra instead. I think Batgirl as a whole, it's already obscure enough of a character, but kind of people may know her from the 60s. Um, 
no one except for comic book readers knows who Cassandra Cain is. So I think that's going to be a really hard sell to I, make a I agree with Cassandra Cain. But she's she's the better, in my opinion, the better incarnation of Oh, Batgirl. I will fight you all day on that. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. But well, also, yeah. this is going to sound difficult, but with Cassandra Cain, her being mute, I think, could also be a difficult sell for a just if it's just her solo movie. Yeah, that's also true. Um, I would almost make the argument to bring Huntress in before you even bring a, uh, Robin. Uh, sorry, um, well, or, she yeah, is. Robin. Huntress is in Birds of Prey next year. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. So, yeah, well, like, I would be down for that. Uh, bring her in, like, into the Batman movie before even you bring in the other ones because you know the whole back and forth between huntress and batman is you know huntress is totally okay with killing and batman is like no 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 so like maybe he makes that that that's when he makes that um that decision that if anybody is going to team with him they have to have the same kind of belief system hmm i do very much buy that warner brothers after the success of the first wonder woman and i fully bet that the next wonder woman will be a huge hit and with his financial success at least of captain marvel i firmly believe warner brothers wants to do more female-centric superhero movies i just don't know if batgirl's the right choice yet just because of the age gap present right now with robert pattinson being such a young batman but we'll see if we do end up getting batgirl that just raises the chances that we'll get nightwing someday to very good yeah because you can only go so long into Barbara's story before Dick shows up at some point. He has to. Oh, absolutely. So. Well, this next story probably is the most unique and interesting that we've covered so far. But one that absolutely has piqued my interest faster than almost anything else I've seen this year. So, uh, a while back, I saw this report that Shia LaBeouf, everyone's favorite celebrity punching bag, which we'll talk about that, I'm sure, later. Um, Yeah. Everyone's favorite celebrity punching bag, Shia LaBeouf, will be starring in a movie about his life where he's going to play his father. And I just was like, all right, that just sounds like typical Shia LaBeouf. The movie's going to be called Honey Boy, and the trailer for it dropped earlier this week. And I'm not going to lie, I need to see this movie. Yes. Um, so I think you you and I have talked about this. I don't know if we've talked about it on the pod yet, but Shia LaBeouf, I know for a fact we've talked about it, you know, off mic, but Shia LaBeouf is, he is now reaching the prime of his life. I think the first time I saw him back on my, on my personal radar, radar was when he was in Fury. And he really, was that was in, your first exposure to him? Uh, back, you know, after, after Transformers. Okay, okay. After after he went kind of crazy. Um, Which this movie is going to address that, actually. Yeah. It's, Which, it's super interesting. For all the crap Between, people give Shia LaBeouf, based off this trailer, he's going to... He's more or less exp- letting people just see, yeah, I'm going to portray everything that was bad in my life in this movie. Of like, I'm not going to sugarcoat what I did in my past. And he's going to own up to it. And it this yeah. trailer seems so interesting. The first time I watched it, that opening shot, 
It's like, okay, this is clearly set on a movie, even before they called cut and whatnot. And it took me a while to realize that it was about Shia LaBeouf as soon as I saw um, the young actor that's going to be playing young Shia in Even Stevens' clothes. And I was like, hey, that's Even Stevens. Oh, wait. Was that opening shot from Transformers? And I kind of had to like rewatch it and yeah. uh, go start from the beginning again, knowing, oh, wait, this is a movie about Shia LaBeouf. Um, and we'll be talking about it later uh, for our favorite actors. But I think Shia LaBeouf is an interesting guy because he gets a lot of flack from people that don't really know his story. And I think that's part of the reason why he's making this movie is he hasn't been in a lot of blockbuster stuff, but he he has said numerous times he's fine with that. He loves these small indie movies that are more artsy and tell an interesting story. Like, I'm dying to see Peanut Butter Falcon. I'm so oh, yeah. hung up on trying to find showings for that. And right now it's only showing in like 17 theaters nationwide until like the end of this month, I think. Um, but he seems so vulnerable and willing to put himself out there for this movie. And I think everyone in this looks spectacular. The kid just seems like a young shy. The other actor looks like he nailed that voice in the opening. And when he's getting arrested by the cop, Um, but even shy playing his father, the little bits of info that I do know about Shia's upbringing I'm very yeah. interested to see what Shy is bringing to the table for this. On. Well, and like there were certain lines uh, that that are said in the trailer that that really got me, especially like once I realized that it was Shy's life was like, oh, wow. like uh, when he's when his dad's like, why do you think your your mom has 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 to have multiple jobs? It's because she doesn't believe in you, and if you fail, y'all are screwed. Yeah, and then at the end of the trailer, it's just like, how does it make? How do you think it makes me feel knowing that you pay me? Yeah. It just it's, it's it's oof. I'm 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 ready for this and I think we'll talk about I'm have no doubt that we'll talk about Shy a little bit later, but yeah. Yes. Between this and and uh, Peanut Butter Falcon, just and like I said like Fury as well. Like if you guys haven't seen Fury, it's it's a pretty decent movie, but Shy is is pretty good in it. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about him I I will have a long thing about Shia later. Oh, good to know. <laughs> yes, I have many uh, thoughts about Shia LaBeouf, actually. <laughs> good to know. Now, coming to America 2. I've got no transition. We're just going right into that. Mm-hmm. Coming to America 2, it is actually happening. It is a thing, and it has grown its cast. So we've known for a little bit that Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall was coming were coming back. Uh but now we know James Earl Jones is coming back as well as Wesley Snipes so long as he does his taxes. <laughs> yes. Um I have not seen the first one. Um but I know that it was very much if to my understanding at least very much a a culture piece. Like, yes, it was a comedy. Yes, it had, you know, Eddie Murphy and all these great actors in it. But it was still at its core very much a an in-look of our society. And if there was ever a time to make a movie about an immigrant coming to America, now is definitely the time. Also, the I highly doubt they'll do it. But they need to bring back Samuel L. Jackson because the first coming to America, the original coming to America, is one of the earliest um, on-screen roles for Samuel L. Jackson. 
and it'd be nice to see him reprise his role now that he's a big, huge star. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool as well. Um, With this, as well as the whole Netflix deal that we talked about a few weeks ago, and there's some other trailer for a movie like Dolomite or something, um, is this the beginning of an Eddie Murphy renaissance, do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if he's trying to reinvent himself, because he's been off the radar for quite some time. Well, before he went off the radar for a little bit, he had a string of bad movies. You got... Yes, he did. Uh, was it Norbit or Norbert? Nor- Norbit? Norbert, yeah. Uh, a Thousand Words. Yeah. Meet Dave. Yeah, what, is that the one where uh, he's like actually an alien or something? something? Yeah, something like that. Pluto Nash. Yeah. He he didn't have a lot of uh, good successes. I mean, they they're memorable f- f- uh, films in their own way, um, but uh, yeah, he hasn't had any any big hits in a long time. And even then, you know, Shrek. But that's been quite a few years by now. Yeah, I mean, hey, dude, I had a I had a moment this week, man. I was talking about. Like uh, the speech from Rocky Six from uh, from Balboa, yeah, uh, and it being like the greatest movie speech of all time, blah blah blah. And this little girl at work was like, "I've never seen it," blah blah blah. And like my brain went, "What? How not? How have you not? That movie came out a couple Welcome years ago." Welcome to my world. Blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, dude, I was like, it came out a couple years ago, and she goes, "Are you sure?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll look it years up. ago." It came out, yeah, in 2006, and she she legit goes, oh, I was four when that came out, and just, the, like, the feeling of pure disappointment in myself, like, that I was so, I felt so old in that moment, which was like, no! Yeah, time is awful. Times are changing. Well, segueing to one of our favorite directors working today. Taika Waititi, who, mm. hands down, has the most fun name to say of all directors working today. Replacing Quentin who, Tarantino. Uh, Taika Waititi? Yeah. Before it was Quentin Tarantino. I think now it's Taika Waititi. Yep. Taika um, So as we know, he'll be directing Thor Love and Thunder, which is still a very interesting name. But before he takes on Love and Thunder, he's apparently directing some other film, a sports film uh, called Next Goal Wins. Which, um, I should have done more research. I think it's either a soccer slash football movie or a rugby movie. I'm not entirely sure. But, <laughs> uh, do you say Taika Waititi and I am there. Like, oh, Taika real Waititi quick. is a lot of fun. Honestly, I can see him doing like a, like a, a Kung Fu Hustle type sports movie. <laughs> or like a This Is Spinal Tap type. Just yeah, well, what is that movie? Um, uh, Shaolin Soccer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of... <laughs> I could totally see Taika Waititi doing something like that. You know what would be great is um, if Dodgeball was a mockumentary with Taika Waititi, yes. like that type of style yes. of like, um, or a world that. The events of Dodgeball have happened, and it's like an ESPN special of recapping the events of Dodgeball. <laughs> or even like do something else, like not maybe not Dodgeball, maybe do some other kind of like B-level sport 
like uh, I don't know, like bowling or or darts, curling, curling. Oh, that would be the. F- I would pay money to see Tyler Latini do a, a like a, an hour and a half film, a a mockumentary about curling. That would be so funny. Better yet, set it in the MCU and call it Corging. Yay! This like just Korg just takes a chunk off of himself and just hurls it down some ice. Korg would totally be in a Canadian too. Which, um, yeah, he would. Shout out to <laughs> uh my mom, one of our most loyal listeners, who actually sent me an article that we can briefly talk about now. Of uh, Taika Waititi has said for Thor: Love and Thunder that uh, Korg will have a bigger role to play in the movie, and I just rejoice in the streets. Yeah, but it'll be next to Natalie Portman, so she's going to suck all of the uh, charisma out of him. Anyway. She's a um, good actress, but yeah, she hasn't been great so far. Korg spinoff movie, please. Korg and Meek. Yeah. Gods of Thunder. It'll be fun. No. Korg. Rock, paper, scissors. Get... <sighs> So anyway, there's a new deal with Netflix. <laughs> yeah, so um I have a funny story about this actually. So what Josh oh, yeah. is talking about is Benny Off and Weiss, besides Shia Loff, the other celebrity punching bags that people really like to bag on right now. Uh, and that's because these guys were the directors of Game of Thrones for the past few seasons, you know, the bad seasons. And they've mm-hmm. now signed this massive nine-figure deal for Netflix. So the funny part is, uh, I work for a news station on the weekends uh, as one of my jobs, and they reported this. Um, And the anchor that reported it said this was an exclusive deal. It's not. Uh Uh-oh. Because they're still signed on to do Star Wars, because as soon as he said exclusive deal, I was like, (gasps) What does this mean for the future of Star Wars? And I'm still going, what does this mean for the future of Star Wars? Because those of you who don't know, um, yes, Benioff and Weiss have signed this deal with Netflix. But also, before this, they were signed on to direct this whole new Star Wars trilogy that we don't still don't know that much about. But um, that trilogy is going to be like 2022, 2024, and 2026. So, relatively soon ish it's the next trilogy after this skywalker saga is done please no more skywalkers i'm hoping it's old republic but i haven't said anything officially yet i'm, I'm um, hoping old republic or sith sith jedi wars yeah i'm really wondering how this deal is going to affect that star wars trilogy here's the thing what why wait why are they giving them like a deal are they going to be creating content for, yes. for Netflix? Is that? Okay. Which, I've been reading up on this because it's interesting of a lot of industry insiders are saying that this is a very bad move for Netflix. Um, well, yeah. not, and it has nothing to do with the fact that it's Benny Off and Wise doing this. That's not why people are... That's not why yeah, yeah, yeah. officials are mad at this. Official analysts are upset because Netflix is already... Billions, not millions, billions of dollars in debt. And you're shelling out this much money for somewhat divisive directors, but also you're just shelling out this much money for what? 
You don't really know. Yeah. That's a lot of money to be blowing when you really need to be in more save mode, especially with all these other streaming platforms on the rise. Yeah, that was my thought. Was like, because I remember you telling me they're they're in, in like a lot of debt. So like, why would you go and drop a nine figure deal on on these directors? Not that there's anything wrong with them, but I would almost like say like, hey, they're giving them you know two or three you know shows or or pictures or something like have something attached to that nine figure deal like some kind of like they've got to create this much amount of content for us uh so that they earn you know earn that deal i guess otherwise they're just throwing money away that they don't have which is kind of what netflix has been doing unfortunately it just Mm -hmm. i don't think this is a good idea it has nothing to do with benioff and wise but i don't think their track record is very proven either but Netflix is spending more and more money that they don't have. This move, to me, reeks of desperation, and that is not a good thing. No, not at all. They need to Especially be in save not a desperation. That That's not a, that's a, as much as, you know, like, I, I don't think they're as bad as they, as some people make them out to make them out to be, but a desperation move is not that Benny, Benny Huff and Weiss are not people you, at, at this point you want to make desperations with. Yeah, I, I've then said it before, and I'll say them, it again. Like, my bold prediction, and I I stand by this, within the next five to ten years, there won't be a Netflix. Oh, I'd give it three. At the rate they're spending money, and the way that other streaming platforms are rising up really quickly, Netflix is mm-hmm. going to die and die quickly. Yes, They're is. losing ground really fast, and I think this well, is a very big move in the wrong direction. Yeah, and I, I think the big thing too is that um, the fact that I would almost rather have Hulu than over Netflix. And I think most of the time, most people only get Netflix for like the net the, the exclusive stuff that they have on there. Yeah, honestly, um, we share Netflix with my mom and dad and one of our uncles who it's his account. Honestly, if um. If we didn't share that account, I don't know if I'd have Netflix. Because, yes, Stranger yeah. Things is great, but it's not worth Netflix just for Stranger Things or just for the yeah. original Twilight Zone. It's or, Those are basically the only things I watch on Netflix. Yeah, and like, don't get, get me wrong. Netflix has put out some great stuff. Uh, Haunting on Hill House. Uh, Hush, oh, yeah, like, I forgot uh, about that. Like, they, they put out some good content, but like that doesn't that's not going to warrant that that warrant us dropping you know 10 whatever amount of money that always increases by the way uh amount amounts of money every month just to see your exclusive stuff because what what could help them and i'm not sure if they'd ever go this route i know they've talked about there's been rumors of them doing this before um but do what hulu or do what voodoo does of you can have your premium service that you pay for, but then for a cheaper rate, you get a limited commercial service. Honestly, yeah. if I could get Netflix for like six or seven bucks, but there's commercials, I'd do that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all. And then they'd get sponsorship money. It's it, and but I mean I know the backlash would be massive, but. At yeah, the same time, but as a, like, as a business a choice, company. they may have no choice soon. Exactly. That, it, it, they, 
it's got to be how are we going to survive as a company not hey what what do our what does our fan base what does our user base want yeah uh, netflix has just really put themselves in a bad position i think but yeah with Benny Offenweiss directing Star Wars, let's segue into our last movie dis- uh, movie news topic, which of course is something Star Wars related. And boy, does it get me very, very curious as well as excited. So, uh, John Williams' son, who's been working with his dad, John Williams, the greatest film composer of all time, who is doing the music for Rise of Skywalker, of course, uh, he's come out and said that Every single theme that you've ever heard in a Star Wars movie will come back in Rise of Skywalker, to which my Phantom Menace brain goes, oh, please have Rey and Kylo fight to Duel of the Fates. That'd be awesome. Um, First of all, I'm going to call you out on air for putting refusing every music theme. (laughs) I'm going autocorrect on that. So the notes apparently say reportedly refusing. Reusing, not refusing. refusing me. And I legit stared at it for like five minutes. I was like, I don't, I don't understand what that's trying to say. Yes, John um, Williams. John Williams refuses to use any music theme, but no, uh, they're reusing every music theme. So yes, um, the Force theme, Leia's theme, hopefully the, Duel of the Fates. The uh, the theme, Imperial March, really... probably. I, I don't know the name of it, but the theme of, I think, in the New Hope when Luke's looking at the dual suns. Uh, Binary Sunset. Yeah. Which is that some is, of the best music. Oh, that is one of the best. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I think that is an interesting thing to report. Yes. Mainly be, because what that might tell us a little something about the story and that exactly. maybe that this is the end of the Skywalkers. Well, one of the reasons why I think the Star Wars soundtrack is one of, if not the best of all time, except for maybe Lord of the Rings, is um, take away the visuals of Star Wars and the music still will guide you through the story and tell you what the story is if you know what to listen for. So, John Williams has done the music for all the main anthology movies. He didn't do it for Rogue One or Solo, uh, but for all the main ones. And whenever he does a theme or a piece of music, he does it very intentionally for something in the story for to represent a character or a moment. It's a leitmotif. That's what it's called. And it's very intentional. It's a... um, it's supposed to elicit an emotion or a feeling or make you think something or associate it with something. So having these come back, what does this mean for the story? It's not going to be like, oh, we're just going to casually throw Duel of the Fates or casually throw the Imperial March in here. John Williams, it's very intentional. So if these are coming back into the story, there's got to be a really good reason for it. Yeah, and that was my thought process as well, is that, okay, maybe this is this says that this is the end of the Skywalkers, or maybe this is this is the opportunity to tell the very intense stories. I think <laughs> I would go as far as to say that Rise of, of, of Skywalker is going to have to be the best Star Wars movie made. I don't know if it has to go that far, because nothing's going to replace Empire anytime soon. 
but it has I, to win fans back because honestly, as much as I like The Last Jedi, I'm not blind. The Star Wars fandom is very divided right now, which I think is really stupid and petty. It's just, if you like Star Wars, you can like Star Wars. Don't have to hate everyone else for it. Yeah, no, and I think you and I have said this on air before that Star Wars fans are the worst kinds of fans. Yes. They're like wrestling fans. If no one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. Yeah. They're the most picky and they just It's the most I think it it's the most frustrating thing about about being a, a fan of Star Wars. Fan of anything, really. Um yes. but if they do incorporate all these different themes, I pick up almost all the Star Wars CDs. I love the Last Jedi soundtrack, but I think this has a chance to be like the Star Wars greatest hits. Which, if that's all Rise of Skywalker is, I'll walk away happy. Yeah. I, I'm down. It's, it is what it is. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of just ready for the movie to be here so that end of this month we should get another trailer yeah with uh, I might Expo. go I might go back and rewatch the trailer just just for kicks and gigs fair enough um I think with that can segue us into our discussion you got a sponsor for us before we go into that discussion uh Today's sponsor is brought to you by Body Armor, the sports drink from Kobe Bryant. Really? Yeah, dude. This stuff is saving my life. Interesting. All right. Well, our main discussion for this week is our favorite actors. This is one that Josh has wanted for a while, and I've wanted to do for a while, too. But we both have a long list of... These are the people that, like, when they're in the movie, we pay attention to. The movie could absolutely be terrible. Let me preface this. There are some actors in this on my list that have been in some truly awful movies, but they are never bad in those movies. Yes. Case in point, my all-time favorite actor since 1999, top of the man crush list. He's been in some stinkers. But he's always the bright, shimmering light in any of those bad movies. Ewan McGregor. <laughs> what a guy. I love Ewan McGregor ever since Phantom Menace. Um, I've seen him in some other stuff. He's just a great actor that can fill whatever you need in a movie. Even if it's something dumb like Jack and the Giant Slayer, which, yes, I saw that in theaters. And he's just playing Obi-Wan again in that. Um, he really is. <laughs> but I've always liked Ewan McGregor. He's just got this charisma, and he's just a lot of fun. If we ever get Green Arrow, I'd be so down for him as Green Arrow. Oh, yeah. I think, and I think this is going to come uh, with a lot of the people on both of our lists. There's the truly great actors are, and actresses. There is a certain presence when they're in a film. Yes. Um, it's just an entertainment value of like, all right, no matter how bad it is, this person is great. Uh, who you got on your list? Um, kind of to that same, um, a couple of them for me in that kind of same 
little field of whether it's good or bad. These, these actors are always good. Um, I'm going to ramble off three, and that's Tom Hardy, Anthony Hopkins, and Gary Oldman, man. No matter what movies they're in, they are always good. Fair. Um, I mean, just cover Tom Anthony Hardy last because he can segue me perfectly in my next one, actually. Okay. Um, I mean, first of all, Gary Oldman, man. Where's the that man's Academy is, Award? He needs it. Dude, he is a chameleon. Uh, he plays every character well. He And every single character he plays is completely different. I don't think there's a single one that he's played the same exact same way. He plays um, the villain a lot, but he always does it so well. Oh, and none dude. of his villains are ever the same. Oh, and to me, he'll always be uh, Commissioner Gordon. Yes, that's up there in terms of my favorite. But also, I really loved him in Book of Eli, too. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, he's pretty good in The Fifth Element, uh, the fifth element as well. Um, if you say but so. Then, oh, shush. I just don't like uh, The Fifth Element. Yeah, I don't blame you. It's like a um, bad Doctor Who episode. Or a good Doctor Who Who episode. (laughs) And now you've got the Whovians mad at us. So anyway, um, let's talk about Anthony Hopkins. (laughs) Who even his presence in Noah, he was... He He was in Noah? He was in Noah. You were probably one of the few people on Earth that remembers that movie. Oh, I I never saw it. (laughs) I just remember seeing him in the trailer. (laughs) He's he's fantastic. I mean, just the fact that he got awards for 15 minutes of screen time for Animal Lecter uh, is one of the single greatest movie characters slash villains of all time. And like you said, he doesn't even need a lot of screen time to do it. That's just how good of an actor he is. He's so good. Also, I feel like he doesn't get the credit he deserves for being Odin in the Thor movies. Oh, dude, I like whenever and whenever they're like, we got to cast Odin. I was and they cast. Um, Anthony Hopkins. I was like, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. That that's that's perfect Odin right there. Yeah, um, I've, I've liked his Odin and what he brings to the table. Uh, very understated is when Loki is playing as Odin in the beginning of Ragnarok, and that's still Anthony Hopkins being goofy. Yes. Uh, a special men- mention to Matt Damon in that scene. Um. <laughs> Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Um, I. And then I, I, it's no, to anybody that like listens to this podcast knows that I always enjoy Tom Hardy. He will not be Wolverine. He won't, but, um, watching some of his other stuff, the man can act, man. Like he, there's, uh, I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but there's a movie he did about two twins, a set of twins. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they're like mafia twins. Yeah, and they both have very distinctly different personalities, and he plays both. And mm-hmm. it's it's incredible to watch. Um, also, there's a movie I never I didn't get the chance to see all of it, but um, there's a movie called Lock, which ta- literally t- takes place with him in a car and like conversations and stuff. The film is shot in all one take, or as close to one take as they can get. So he's oh, legit. Grief that stresses me out. Yeah, so he like it's like a hour or something long movie. Um, so they like 
legit everything is planned from the phone calls that he gets to you know like the cars that get in his way blah 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 and like if they screw one thing up they set it all over uh, set it up all over again so he's legit having to act as this character for like an hour straight that's ridiculous the man and like if you've ever seen him in bronson um there's a i was about to say are you gonna bring up bronson at any time uh, yeah, he's 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 it's it's, it's Bronson. Bro. What was the first uh, Tom Hardy movie that you can recall, or the first thing that you remember seeing him in? Oh man, um, my first memory of him is always Inception. Yes, Inception's very prevalent. Um, and then I'm trying to think of anything before that. Inception was 2010, and then in 2012 he did this movie. With my next favorite actor. Oh, yeah? Called Warrior. Oh, yes! Joel freaking Edgerton is one of the most, if not the most criminally underrated actor working in Hollywood today. This man deserves to be a leading man. The guy from Warrior, and I'm not just saying that because I love Warrior. I've seen him in plenty of other stuff. He was phenomenal as a director and as an actor in a movie called The Gift, which is amazing. Um, But I saw the Leonardo DiCaprio Great Gatsby movie. Not a huge fan of it, but um, there are certain scenes when Joel Edgerton has to play off of DiCaprio. And I actually think Edgerton outacts DiCaprio. Really? They're yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a scene where, um, so Leo is more or less having an affair with Joel Edgerton's wife and he kind of suspects it. So there is like this very tense stare down and Leo's acting his butt off, but Joel's not backing down either. Like he brings it for that scene. But then we always got to bring it back to, I first saw him in, well, I'll talk about what I first saw him in in a second here, but, um, his best role to me is always Warrior. That single-handedly, that's the performance that he gives in Warrior is just incredible and frankly deserved a nomination. I think almost everybody in that film is acting their butts off, especially like Tom Hardy. Uh, their their dad is incredible. Nick Nolte, yeah, yeah. Also, honorable mention. I'm not going to fully put him on my list, but honorable mention to Frank Grillo, who was the trainer in Warrior and also played Crossbones. Yeah. He's a what great a actor. But Joel Edgerton is like so criminally underrated. And just for a fun fact, the very first movie that I, as well as millions of other people in the world, first saw Joel Edgerton in without realizing was Attack of the Clones. Really? He was in Star Wars Episode 2 Attack of the Clones as oh, yeah, Owen Lars. Yeah, I always forget that. Yep. What and a guy. He looks completely different. He he's does. Gone a long he way like a to baby. be one of my favorite actors, but also one of the most underappreciated actors. I've got quite a few actors mm. today that haven't quite got the recognition that I feel like they deserve. Uh, case mm. in point, my next actor, Anthony Mackie. Oh, yeah. So, a lot of you MCU fans uh, know him as Falcon. Falcon is one of my favorite characters in the MCU. But even before Falcon, 
I've been a huge fan of Anthony Mackie um, ever since I saw him in this really small but great movie called The Adjustment Bureaus with Matt Damon and Emily Blunt um, about um, more or less your life is already set in motion from these guys up above, kind of like angels. And so one day Matt Damon's life goes off of their books and start messing up their plan. So Anthony Mackie's in charge of getting his life back on track. And it's, I'm underselling how good of a story it is, but um, whether it's Adjustment Bureau um, or 8 Mile, Anthony Mackie is just great and just charismatic. And I'm the main reason more than anything else that I'm looking forward to Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's not Baron Zemo. It's uh, nothing like that. It's Anthony Mackie being a leading man for, for something. Yes. I'm excited. What a guy. Who else you got? Cause I got plenty. Oh, obviously. Um, obviously on my list, I have a couple guys that are my personal favorites, but we'll get there. Um, let's talk about Jake Gyllenhaal, man. Mm-hmm. What a, what a dude. What, what a dude. And like, he's definitely on my list too. Dude. Everybody's just kind of getting to know him from, from, uh, far from home. But dude, the guy, do Not you go, remember? Guys, if you weren't there with him during his Prince of Persia days, you can't jump on the bandwagon now. Okay. <laughs> I just remember like seeing Prince of Persia. Which is and then really good. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good movie. And then seeing him do, um, what was it, Nightcrawler. And yes. then Southpaw, like all in the spans of like maybe four years or so. And just like three very different characters. I actually think, now that I say that, I think Prince of Persia was way before that. But Yeah, Prince of Persia was 2012. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't remember the dates for Southpaw or... Um, Southpaw, I think, Nightcrawler. was 2016. Yeah, so I mean, it'd be close within four years or so. But, I mean, three very drastically different characters, and every single one was very defined as well. Like, do you, have, have you seen Nightcrawler? Nightcrawler I have not seen, but I think you're uh, missing another one of his big performances, and that's him in Prisoners. So. Oh, okay, I actually haven't seen Prisoners. Prisoners is a hard, hard watch. It's a that, really good it, movie, but it's a hard movie to watch, but... Uh, Jill and Hall, along with somebody else that I'll get to later on my list, are it's the best acting I've ever seen these people do. He is phenomenal in that as a very focused and driven cop. He is so good in that. Uh, a few weeks ago, I saw him in the movie Zodiac as a man, oh, yeah. as a cartoonist trying to hunt down the Zodiac killer. And he is the best thing in that movie. And this is a movie that also stars Robert Downey Jr. Um, Mark Ruffalo. It's a stacked cast, but he absolutely steals the show. He's so good in that movie. Jake Gyllenhaal is just a phenomenal actor. And so when he was signed on to be Mysterio, I got so excited and he did not disappoint as Mysterio. He was fantastic. Yeah, it's just, he is another one. And I think, uh, he goes into the conversation with shy. Um, I think that these guys are just getting started. I, I wouldn't be surprised if by the time, you know, you and I are in our forties that they will have, they will be the Robert De Niro's in of, of our time. 
Oh, I don't doubt it. Who else you got? Um, let's see. Um, and I ha- I always have to these next two. I always have to put uh, a like a little little side note on them in in that I like their acting and the characters that they play on screen. Their ability to do what they're paid to do is very they're very bad at it. I do not like them as people, but their acting ability is fantastic, and that's Mel Uh-oh. Gibson and Ed, Edward Norton. Oh yeah, both of those are horrible people. Oh yeah, but like especially Edward Norton, you can't like disagree that he is one of the best actors of all time. Very true. I just watched Birdman earlier this week, and his role in that, I hated him, but oh, I know dear. I'm supposed to. Exactly, and like you know, even like him in Fight Club. With the scene where he has to beat himself up and do it convincingly, holy crap! Mm, and I'm assuming Mel Gibson because of Lethal Weapon and Mad Max. Well, not just that. Um, Patriot and Braveheart. Um, uh, Get the Gringo is pretty good. It's underrated and a little weird, but eh. um, what was the? There's one that came out in the past couple of years called Bloodfather. Um, that he's pretty good in. He's I'm, but then again, he's basically just his character from Lethal Weapon. Um, but <laughs> just a downtrodden dad who can kill people. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I enjoy his acting quite a bit. And he's he's a believable character to me. And you know what? Part of that might be because his personality is so akin to the characters he plays. Hmm. So I got a couple more. Well, I got plenty more. But I'm going to kind of split them up into three categories. I've got my... Mainstream ones that everyone likes. I got my underrated. I got a few more underrated ones, and I've got my ones that I die on my hill that they're great. Which one do you want me to go into next? Let's let's look who die on your die on the hill. I'm I'm curious about that one. All right. So when I say these two names, I mean this with full sincerity that I think these two are some of the best actors working today, and I mean that not in an ironic, a joking way. I fully believe this. Shia LaBeouf and Nicolas Cage. Absolutely. Both of these guys are like the internet loves to make fun of them. And at times both of these guys have like put themselves in a situation that makes it easy to make fun of them. Nicolas Cage has not been in some good movies, but when he's actually trying and also it's, very fascinating with Nicolas Cage of a lot of the times he does overacting. It's what he's known for. And he's not always in the best of movies. But even when he's not, you can tell he's having fun. But I've watched him in interviews because the man fascinates me. Um, he is, without joking at all, one of the best and smartest students in the history of film. Of oh, yeah. When he is doing something in a movie, it means he has researched that movement. He's looked into it. I remember watching an interview of him of like one of his famous freakouts. It's almost like shot for shot from some freakout from a German film from the thirties because he wanted to emulate something that he knew, uh, something that he studied as acting. And all you people crap on Nicolas Cage, but you forget he does actually already have an Academy Award under his belt. When? Wait, what? Um, 
Raising Arizona or leaving Las Vegas. I was getting mixed up because they're states. Oh, okay. Yeah, he already has an Academy Award. And yes, he's been in some bad movies, but that's more because he needs the money. But he also just loves making movies. He is a genuinely great actor when he's got the right project. Same thing with Shia LaBeouf. Now, I said I had a whole rant on this before, and here goes. I have been following Shia LaBeouf for a lot of years, dating back to his Even Stevens days. So everyone started getting familiar with him with um, Transformers. I go further back than that. It's Even Stevens, then it's Holes, then it's Transformers, then it's Disturbia, um, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, And everyone remembers the Meltdowns, um, the car crash on the set of Indiana Jones 4 that delayed production, um, the bag over the head, the just do it, which I still have my just do it Um, t-shirt, all the weird antics that he's done. But if you know much about his upbringing, which I only recently discovered just watching him in interviews and whatnot and seeing the trailer for Honey Boy, he had a very messed up childhood. And I feel like Over the past few years, he's been trying to find um, some form of void that he needs filled in his life. And you can see him repairing himself through movies. So, like, he isn't in these big blockbuster movies because he said, I don't need to be anymore. I'm not strapped for cash. Um, He's in these small things. I remember sending Josh this, like, half an hour long interview. That Shia LaBeouf sat down with this guy, and Shia LaBeouf, more or less for the past little bit, has been working on with in inner cities, teaching acting on Saturdays to uh, local communities, more or less to get them to express themselves and just invest back into a community. He is such a fascinating individual, but not just that, he is a great actor. Josh talked earlier about Fury. That movie, it's a very good movie, but his performance is the best of the movie. And that's including Brad Pitt, who's also in the movie. He is so good in Fury. He is excellent across the board in a lot of different movies, but he doesn't get the attention that I feel he deserves because of his off-the-field antics, which, honestly, that hasn't been the case over the past few years just because he's starting to mature. He's starting to grow because he had this phase of everyone's watching him and I get that and I'm not condoning or uh, approving of anything he's done in the past. I'm just saying if you got a director that can keep an eye on him and keep him in check, he is such an amazing talent. Like go watch the trailer for peanut butter Falcon and tell me he's not acting his butt off. He is such an incredible actor that sometimes his antics can be distracting, but if you can get past that, he is such a good actor. Same with Cage. Well, and I think especially with Shia LaBeouf, I don't think it's necessarily like a director needing to keep him in check. Because even like in the Transformers films, I've, I've seen behind the scenes footage of him being like, no, like I feel like this is the direction the character would go and he wouldn't you know, react this way, blah, blah, blah. And Michael Bay legit being like, no, you're an idiot. Listen to this song and you're going to cry. Like, you know what I mean? So like, I feel, I feel like 
And you know what? Maybe part of that is his because is part of his little not necessarily dislike of studio films, as he says, uh, but just the 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 massive difference is because he's Shia LaBeouf, uh, especially from that interview that you you sent me. He cares more about a good story than he does explosions. Yeah, honestly, um, I don't know how to, like the easy way to search it. I just searched Shia LaBeouf interview. But if you have the time, I highly recommend it. It's just Shia LaBeouf and this guy sitting on a bench for like half an hour. And it is the most real and honest and genuine that I've ever heard any celebrity talk about anything. Oh, totally. I, I think honestly, um, why don't we, why don't you find it and post it on, on the Facebook page? Yeah, I I will. Of just, I've never heard a celebrity openly and honestly in an interview say, I need friends. We all need friends. I'm lonely. Yeah. Yeah. He mean it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's really good. And I really appreciate all the things that he has done. Um, moving on. Uh, (laughs) um, do you have any actresses on your list? I have one actress and the name may surprise you actually. Really? Okay. I mean, I have four, but that's... I know that's one of the actresses... Rabbit. I'll give you a hint. One of the actresses is also in a movie with my actress. Okay. Oh, that's right, because you can see my list. Never mind, I'm done. Yeah, it's on the doc. <laughs> I was like, how do you know my list? What in the world? <laughs> um, okay, who's yours? Uh, yeah, let's do that. Let's say you're, you're actress, and I'll see if I can guess which movie you're talking about. Emma Stone. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes, she's fantastic, though. Well, let's talk about her for a little bit while I figure this out. <laughs> because just looking at my shelf, I was just like, hmm, is there an, any actresses? Like, there's not really any actors or actresses that is just like, I will see this movie just because this person's in it. Now, directors, yeah. that's a different case. If a Nolan movie is coming out, I have to see it. Um, that being said, if you tell me Emma Stone's in a movie, I'm going to be interested because even in the worst movies, she's always really, really good. I hate Amazing Spider-Man 2. She's a really good Gwen Stacy, and sometimes the romance gets a little over the top and unbelievable, but her chemistry with Peter was really, really good. Or even go back to 2009 with uh, Zombieland. She's great in that. She's a lot of fun. Or more dramatic in Birdman. She was really good in Birdman. Yeah, um, she's fantastic. I just hadn't even really thought about it, but just the more of just like, yeah, I've seen a lot of Emma Stone in different things, and I always am consistently really enjoying her work and the stuff that she's in. Hmm. Fair enough. And I think that that was kind of the thing for me, and I'm not usually the kind of person either to be like, oh, you know, this person's in a movie, I'm gonna go see that. But my thought process was also when I see this person in a movie, they're always killing it. Um, and so like my name, I, I can't, I can't think of what movie you're thinking of. Um, Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, Sally Fields. There you yes. go. Yes. That's my girl, Sally. Um, I love Which Sally Fields Which is such an odd so pick for you to have. I'm not going to lie. I just, I find her so, 
like if I want, if I could choose a grandmother, it would be Sally Fields. I just feel like she's like the fun grandma. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I think I, it just I, hung up on her as Aunt May. I think maybe that's it, but I, I enjoy her, her presence quite a bit. Um, you know, as a growing up as a sci-fi film fan, you know, I've got to talk about Sigourney Weaver. Um, and holes, bring it back to Shia LaBeouf. She's great in holes. Yeah. She's good in pretty much everything she's in. Um, Emily Blunt, who is... Oh, Emily Blunt is magnificent. Oh, dude. I love Emily Blunt. She's just recently started to come out with some really good films. A Quiet Place. We've sung that movie's praise enough. Oh, dude. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. She's fantastic in Edge of Tomorrow. I'm trying to... I've been trying to rack my brain of what else she's in, but, like, I know... She's one of those actresses that's very much like, I know if she's in a movie, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that's more of a reason to see this. Yeah. Um, Soon my to be last Mrs. One, Fantastic, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the last female I have is uh, Kate Blanchett. Really? Yeah. She's always really good in, in movies for me. Any roles in particular that stand out? Um, I was trying to think. Because... Um, I'm so bad at, at films like that, doing that. Um, Don't say Indiana Jones 4. I, Indiana Jones 4. No, I'm kidding. Um, Hella? Uh, Thor? Ragnarok? Yeah, Hella. Yeah. Um, she's great in Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Duh. Yeah. Um, Which, that actually is going to transition me perfectly once you're done. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen Hannah? No. Okay. She, it's an okay movie at best, but she's, she's, she does very, a very good job on it. Um, and I guess <laughs> technically speaking, she's in the Hobbit too. So that's fun. Eh. Um, oh, have you ever seen the, uh, the life aquatic with the uh, Steve, uh, Steve Zissou. Yes. Zissou. Okay. She's fantastic in that as well. Yes. Um, she played, she's, uh, the mom in, in, Dragon, How to Train Your Dragon 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she's like consistent, like one of the best actresses out there. Hmm. Which, um, this will make you happy. Clay, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Kate Blanchett has a co star in both Thor Ragnarok and Lord of the Rings. It's on my list. Oh. Carl Urban. Oh, I was going to go Jeff Goldblum, but yeah, he's not in. He's not yeah. in Lord yeah. of the Rings. Oh, yeah, I know, gosh. Goldblum was in Lord of the Rings, man. I don't know why my brain went, Jeff, went, went with Jeff Goldblum. We, but now um, I yes, want... yes, we need to um destroy the ring and take it to um, um Mount Doom. Now, yes, yeah. and running and the fleeing and the lava and wow. <laughs> now I really want Jeff Goldblum in a Lord of the Rings movie. <laughs> he is the Eye of Sauron. <laughs> oh man but yeah no oh yeah carl urban carl, carl oh, urban i've said it with a couple actors already but he is so underappreciated considering how many big franchises he's been attached to over the years he is in yeah. lord of the rings star trek now the mcu um but always as a supporting character but always a really good character um his bones in the new star trek i think is one of the best adaptations from the original Star Trek to the modern version. His bones is excellent. I 
love him in Lord of the Rings. He's such one of those like unspoken or unsung heroes that really is a one of the main reasons why the heroes win in Return of the King is because he never gave up the fight. Yeah. Well, uh, even not even that. His uh, his dread is fantastic oh, as well. We had to get there eventually. His yeah. dread is so good. I wish that movie did better so we can get a sequel. Yeah, um, I agree. But even his but role he's... in um in Ragnarok was pretty good. It could he could have gotten more screen time, but he was really good in that. Um, one that everyone always forgets that he was in was he was in the first Red movie. Yeah, with Bruce Willis, he's, and he's he was really great very, in that. Yeah, he's a very solid guy. He even had a little bit of a turn to... on TV. He had this show for one season, which unfortunately got canceled, uh, called Almost Human, which was a buddy cop show, um, except he was paired with an android. And uh, I think the android is Michael Early, who's like gone on to bigger and better things now. But that show was actually really, really good, and I wish it hadn't got canceled so soon, but he was excellent in that. Um He's just attached <laughs> to so many major franchises, but he's always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And money yeah. is, it never makes as much money as it should. Um, now, I will say, um, I think that is going to change with um, the, boys? the boys. He looks like he's going to just steal the show, man. I've heard great things about the boys. Same. I need to get. I need to find a way to watch it. So, I've got another name. Uh, not as high profile as um, Carl Urban, but has been in just as many, if not more, major franchises, <laughs> but gets forgotten about even more. And I'm going to credit to that, too. He's always a bit player, but also has a very hard name for people to remember. Oh? You're going to be real happy with this pick. Never Back Down's Jaiman Hansu. Oh, what a guy. So, Jaiman Hansu, for those of you who aren't familiar, for those of for those that saw Guardians of the Galaxy, which is most of you, he's the guy that goes, who? He is in so, so much stuff. Check this guy's IMDb page. He's always one of the best or one of the biggest highlights in any movie he's in, but he flies under so many people's radar. Um, he's in not one, but two. DC movies. Um, he is in Shazam as the wizard Shazam, but he's also in Atlantis and Atlantis. He's in Aquaman as one of the, he's the Fisher King who gets killed really quick by Orm. Um, yep. but he's also in the MCU. He's, I think one of the only actors that's both in the MCU and the DCU. Let's see. I'm looking up his IMDb page right now. Uh, he's in well, Blood like, Diamond with even... Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, he's in Gladiator, um, uh, Furious 7, Legend of Tarzan, Constantine. Dude, this guy's, like, everywhere. And he's great in every... Like, I saw Legend of Tarzan. It is not a good movie at all. But his arc and his character are phenomenal in that movie. And he brings a certain oh, gravitas to any role he's in. Honestly, I could absolutely see him being... If he was a little bit younger, he's a little bit older now. If he was younger, he'd be a great Jon Stewart. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I wouldn't fight it if they did if they still make made him John Stewart now. I wouldn't yeah. fight that at all. Because I could definitely Wizard see Shazam not coming being, back anytime soon. Yeah, but I could see Martian Manhunter definitely for him. Oh, 
That would be awesome, honestly. But yes, Jaiman Hansu is so vastly underappreciated, but I always love seeing him in movies or when I see him signed up onto something, I just go, yes. He's always good. Um, I got one more. Do you got any more? I got two more. All right, go ahead and hit, hit him. Um, so both of these are more mainstream people. One of them is in the MCU now, and one of them just barely missed the cut for the MCU, unfortunately. No. So the one that just barely missed the cut, Hugh Jackman. What a guy. What can't this guy do, honestly? He can well, be Wolverine, and he will never be replaced. He was such a good Wolverine. But even if you take out Wolverine, he has so many other good roles. Yes, the Wolverine kind of overshadows everything else, but he was amazing in The Prestige or uh, Prisoners, I think, is his single best performance. He is so good in Prisoners. Or um, I have some issues with the movie as a whole, even though I... For the most part, enjoyed it, but he was excellent in The Greatest Showman. Yeah, I yeah, I agree with that. Just everything I see him in, he always brings his A-game. He's so much fun to watch, and he's always different. He's never the same thing twice. Yes, he's Wolverine a lot, but he has so much more range than that. He can sing. He can do a lot of great dramatic stuff. He's just such a great actor. Yeah, well, and I think, too, that some of the guys on this on this list, uh, people like Tom Hardy or Mel Gibson, they can get typecasted. And I I think it, Hugh Jackman could have easily been typecasted and, did, and done the same thing in everything he does. But the like you said, the guy has range and he can just but legitimately like what can't this guy do? Admittedly. My last guy kind of does get typecast a little bit, but he's starting to break out of it a little bit. Uh, my last guy is always typecast as a socially awkward genius. Oh? Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, yeah. Um, whether it's Sherlock, his Doctor Strange admittedly could use a little work. I thought the first Doctor Strange was fine but he's gotten better since then um his sherlock just single-handedly gets that on my list his sherlock is so good um but take that aside i loved his con and into darkness even though you could see that plot twist coming a mile away i just recently watched into darkness like two weeks ago and i forget how much i love that movie because of his con he he is single handedly he okay you know what he is an actor for me that if he's attached to a film I, I'll I might try to go out of my way and see the film I even have if gone I'm out of my way to see some of his movies like uh, the Imitation Game not a great movie he's great in it yeah oh absolutely or the current war that he's got coming up in a couple months that looks really good and I'll see it just because he's in it he's. He's got this aura and gravitas to him, and I'm sure part of it's that amazing voice of his. Yes, even but though he, he can't do so say many the word different things, way. whether it's Sherlock or Doctor Strange or Smog in The Hobbit. Yes, he's done just about everything. 
All right, who's your last guy? Well, real quick, I just had a name pop into my head that is... Is it Tony Jaw? No, uh, that is not in a lot of things, but when I do see him in something, I, I do enjoy him, and that's David Tennant. Yeah. Like, uh, his, um, I forget the name's character, but the character's name, but, uh, his character in, um, Jessica Jones. I do not like that show, but he is incredible in that show. Yeah, he's always great. I wish we could see him in more stuff. I agree. And Same with I, Andrew I was, Scott, who was yeah. Moriarty. Yeah, oof, yes, please. Uh, the last guy on my list is, I think he's on everybody's list, but Scott I don't Atkins. think... No, I Michael don't John think, White. No, I don't think that a lot of people have seen his like as much of his stuff as they they'd like to admit, and that's Leonardo DiCaprio. Really, nothing. Nothing. Really, do you not uh, like him? Hot take time. I think Leonardo DiCaprio is the single most overrated actor in Hollywood. Really. There's not a okay. single performance that I've ever seen of because that I thought couldn't have been done better by somebody else. Okay. Um, granted, this I is... I always think he's good, but not as good as everyone's just like, he's not the second coming of actors. I've always oh, thought no, 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 he no. was just... Not at all, yeah. I've I would never be, understood I the appeal that. of DiCaprio. I've never understood the hype. Um, I mean, I've, I don't think he's been incredible in the past few years, but like movies like The Departed, uh, What's Eating Gilbert's Grape, like he is easily one of the best things about those movies. Yeah, I, he's just never done it for me. And like I've, I've watched a lot of different stuff with him in it, and I'm always just like, he's fine. To me, it always feels like he's like, begging for attention in his movies. It's just like, notice me as a serious actor. <laughs> Fair enough. He I'll, just, I'll give I don't that. know what it is. He's just, DiCaprio's never done it for me. Have you, did you not, did you not like him in Inception? Do you not think someone else, like, if you took out DiCaprio and put in McConaughey from Interstellar, does the movie change at all? Okay, fair enough. I see your point. Of, and that, I, that, I don't know if that's a DiCaprio thing. Of also, any Christopher Nolan movie, as much as I love Christopher Nolan movies, all of his characters are kind of sad. Fair enough. Okay, let's go with let's go with something outside of Christopher Nolan. Then don't say Shutter well, Island. No, I'm not. I hate uh, that I mean, movie. Because there's movies like Django Unchained or The Revenant in, more, in recent years that are that he, I would say he's pretty good in. He was okay in Django. Like, he was fun, but I think Django is probably one I liked him the most, but even then it was just like, eh. Yeah. I'm more drawn to uh, Christoph Waltz's character right now and his Fair performance. Enough. Did you, well, and even in, I, I guess I, I would even say in The Revenant, he's okay, but Tom oh, Hardy Revenant, is that acting. was like blatantly begging for attention. Yeah, because I even, in, now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, Tom Hardy's kills it in that movie. Yes, Tom Hardy's much better in that movie than DiCaprio, or like I said, huh. Great Gatsby of Joel Edgerton act is much better in that than DiCaprio. DiCaprio's just never done it for me. Hmm. 
Yeah, and no, I'm I'm thinking about it, and I'm starting to take it back a little bit. I would. This is where all my credibility goes out the window. I would much rather watch Matthew McConaughey in a movie than DiCaprio. I mean, same though, but that's because Matthew's got a certain gravitas behind him. Yeah, DiCaprio is always just like, I don't know what it is. I can, I've never been able to put my finger on it. There's just certain actors or actresses that I've just never clicked with, never really liked. Yeah. And I've never been able to figure out why. And DiCaprio's always been on that list. Fair enough. I'll give you that, man. Well, and I think that's the beauty about this is that the, this kind of discussion because you know, there are always going to be characters that, and actors that we like and disagree on. And I think that's always been the beauty of this podcast for you and, you and me. Oh, yeah. Well, what do you guys at home think? What are some of your favorite and least favorite actors? What are your thoughts on DiCaprio? We'd love to hear that as well. Um, let us know in the comments below. And as always, if you... Uh, haven't already subscribed to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that's uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Play, or YouTube. And as always, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. Stay sharp, movie guys and gals.